no, no plunder on TV will ever get a job again. <laughs> Hello, yes, it is two days to, uh, till the World Cup starts, sorry, uh, and this is the 40-yard switch back again with, uh, not my best ever intro, but we move anyway. <laughs> well, we know it's two days, yeah, yeah. yeah it's good. Um, so yes, we are back, uh, I am Jasper Woodson, he is Wubakud Lukes, um, and we're here to go through a few, not too many things, because there's not much left to be said with the tournament uh, on the cusp of beginning but uh we've got australia send-off game to talk about one little thing we missed on last week's predictions episode and then a couple little fun bits from the men's game uh actually one not so fun bit but we'll get to that later um all right so first and foremost the matilda's send-off um 50, 000 packed into marvel stadium to see the matilda's off on their world cup journey against france and like while it wasn't even game, I think I think on the balance of play, Australia deserved to win. Yeah, I th- I think it was it was quite even though. I mean, and the, and the scoreline obviously reflects that in the end. Um, I think we spoke about it during the game, and it kind of like seemed like Australia had more chances because the crowd got so up whenever yeah. they even got close. Yeah. Um, but I think France played very well, and I think. You know, it's it, it's it's hard to like derive too many insights from these sorts of games, like. You know, they're they're going out there, don't want to get injured before before the World Cup starts. Um, so they're probably pulling punches a little bit. Yeah, I'd say so. Mm. I also think, yeah, I think, yeah, and even like taking Sam Kerr off 60 minutes. I think one thing that did do with the fact that Australia were able to score such a well-worked goal after she'd gone off was maybe show that like, unlike in past tournaments where a lot of what Australia have done Going going forward has been through Sam Kerr. They can do more without Sam Kerr. Mm, so it shows that if she has to be rested for any, at any point, or if she's having an off game, she's not like one of those. Because you know, sometimes I think this is hindered England at, at not not very, like England men's team. Sorry, um, not hardly many times because Harry Kane is so good. But every now and then there are games where Harry Kane is just not on it. But you can't take him off because he's the captain and the best player. Yeah, true. But true. I'm not saying you're going to need to take Sam Kerr off or anything, but it's just if she is having an off game or if she get comes down with a knock and you don't want to risk it, there are other players that can step up. Mary Fowler, Hayley Razzo, mm. and the like. So Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I, and I think as well, I mean, because uh, Kerr came off and was icing her hamstring, mm. apparently. Apparently there's no injury, but, you know, like, if you think about it as well, if if... Kerr was to go out with an injury, like that's a big kind of like Huge, yeah. knock on the consciousness of the of the team. So, <clears throat> like scoring that goal and beating France essentially without her, or like half the match without her, yeah, it's it's a good sort of mental mental boost. No, absolutely, sure. absolutely. I also think, yeah, just just good just good minutes in the tank against quality op- opposition for players like Mary Fowler. You know, yeah, 30, 30 minutes off the bench against a quality French team and centre backs like. Uh, Wendy Renard and um, the Cascarino wasn't playing, but the other centre back they had was also pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
But yeah, I think also the only worrying thing for both teams was injuries to both players forcing Tamiki Yallop off for Australia. And my pick for France's player to watch, Selma Basha, was stretched yeah. off, which looked quite bad. Uh, apparently, uh, what I've seen in the days that have followed is that it's a sprained ankle. She was seen on crutches, but um, x-rays show no break or anything. Yeah. But a sprained ankle can also have you out for up to four weeks. So, yeah. Yeah. But it's it's not confirmed that she won't play at all. Right? No, yeah, no, it's yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that was just pretty heartbreaking. Um, yeah. Well, and it's just a terrible it was like way to the finish 90, like fourth or yeah. 93rd minute. It was like maybe the second last minute of the game. Mm. And it was Razo who was like, not obviously didn't cause her, but was, you know, um, putting putting pressure on her essentially. Yeah. Um, and then she fell in it awkwardly. And I think, yeah, seeing Razo kind of like looking on with her head in her hands as well was like a, a, a bit hard to watch. Um, so yeah, that sucks. Just yeah. sucks. Yeah, just just worst timing for it to happen. Um, one of France's bright young stars, um, who's been given a chance with the injury to Katoto. And yeah, but that, that's football, I suppose. Yeah. But yeah, all in all, I think just for the fact that France did seem a little flat the last sort of 30 minutes of the game after Australia went ahead, I do think just for that basis alone, looking at the game completely objectively, you know, take out the fact that it's a friendly or whatever just on the balance of play in the game i think australia do did deserve to win just but yeah a very even game that could have gone another way if grace Giora's volley finds the back of the net in the first half mm. but then again there were chances that australia had that they should have con- uh, converted and even we were saying uh, at the game sam Kerr probably didn't have her best game um far from it actually like she had some really good moments when oh, that dribble down the far side touchline or near side to where we were sitting yeah uh it was really good taking on two or three players um and like, got herself into good positions multiple times but then seemed to either dribble too much or hit a pass when she should have just shot it's like she's made a name for herself being this lethal striker and we didn't really see that mm. c- c- cutting edge yeah, she didn't seem to pull the trigger when she needed to. No, like almost seemed to do a little bit too. And that, I mean, that run was amazing. But um, and yeah, the one or two other times, she did very well, like to get herself into those positions, like you said. But yeah, the uh, the killer instinct was was missing. Mm. But it, you know, it's it's a friendly as well. Yeah, so. I also thought the recalled uh, French striker Eugène, you know, Eugène. Mm. <laughs> I've got learned how to say that from Oscar, our French friend. Um, shout out because we didn't give him a shout out last week. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, Eugene Les Sommer, <laughs> she looked really good. Her hold up play was really good. Lots of lots of very good first touches from like long balls sent up to her. Um, good passing behind behind the lines for the two wingers. Mm. Uh, good link up with Grace Giora as well, um, who was often the furthest forward of their French midfield three. So I think, yeah, she, I think she looked very good dropping deep and the hold up play. Mm. Um, and I suppose like maybe that she was all she was really able to do in, in that game. Mm. Um, but yeah, that looks world class. But hopefully, you can see other parts of her game yeah. when the World Cup comes. And I do think in the early stages for France and Australia against teams that are not in the top ten in the world. Uh, we'll see more facets of attacking game from both sides mm. on display. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, just a good, just a good day. Really, a good night. Sorry, really loud in the stadium. Fifty thousand strong seems a lot louder um, when it's the Matildas playing than when it's uh, footy teams playing. From my experience, mm. uh, that's probably because you know it's uh, football's riding the highest it's ever been in this country, and also it's it's on the eve of a World Cup. 
whereas AFL is week to week. But we digress. It's still incredible. Um, and yeah, just a just a just a good good, good night, good game. Yeah, it was good. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was good. It was very good. Can't wait for August. A few the Mexican second. waves. Yeah, a few Mexican waves. <laughs> I'm not sure how I feel about those, but you know, it's all it's, part of it, I suppose. It's Australian football fans. Mm. We. <laughs> yeah, casuals, mate. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but yes, one the one one thing we did forget to mention in our predictions last week, which are now that we've made these, what's coming up is what will prompt me to post our uh, predictions uh, in an Instagram graphic because I haven't done that yet because I realised I wanted to do, to do this a couple of days ago um, before I did that. Is uh, the third place playoff? So we both picked who we picked to go through to the. Uh, semis mm. from my memory i had the semis was australia versus germany and sweden versus the united states and then i had spain for sweden yeah, yeah. so you had us versus sweden and germany versus the united states no no, no us versus spain yeah, yeah us yeah. versus spain and germany versus australia yeah, yeah so if in your scenario the us or spain is going through no so us lost to australia in the final yeah and so then i had spain and germany Okay. What would have been? For so the third I place? I would have had the US and Australia in the third place playoff. Oh, because you picked Sweden to 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 beat the US. Oh, ah, yeah. true, true. That's All right. right. So I'll go to you first. Uh, who do you think is winning the third place playoff between Spain and Germany? I think probably Germany. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. I think. Yeah. Just I think just the way that they conduct themselves, like in tournaments, like we saw it in the Euros, um, like. You know, I, I spoke a little bit of last week about how, you know, potentially that semi-final pick of Australia beating Germany is 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 more of heart than head. Um, so I think when you line up Spain and Germany, I think, yeah, yeah, Germany have got the stronger side. For me, I'm gonna, I think I'm going with heart and head here. I think, like I mentioned last week, I think the US, while they're still very good, aren't as good as perhaps they have been. And Australia on home soil, and third place will be the highest finish Australia's ever had at a World Cup. So I still think they'll be absolutely raring to go if they lose the semi final and are in the third place playoff. Yeah. And we'll have an incredibly large crowd backing them on for what would be their best ever finish. So yeah, I'm going to pick Australia to finish third. Nice. In the World Cup. Nice. It's good so that, to have them in the top three at least. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just don't want to get crucified. Yeah. Um, but yes, so moving on now, we are going to talk about the men's side of the game again. Uh, it's going to be quite a short episode uh, this week, just because, like I said, there's not too much and we kind of want to get to the football. But um, a piece of uh, news that came out, or a sort of uh, a podcast or an interview, if you will, that came out over the week, um, or maybe even over the weekend, um, that, yeah, it isn't a isn't a happy thing to talk about, um, is the Deli Alley interview, um, or the Deli interview, uh, with Gary Neville on the overlap. Um, yeah, so basically, for those who haven't watched it, and for those who are listening now, I'm not sure how much of a cross-section there'll be of those two groups, but um, just in case you haven't, it uh, is Gary Neville talking to Delhi about, first and foremost, why he has sort of been struggling over the past 12 to 18 months, and then it delves a bit deeper into like his upbringing um, and why that's possibly played an impact into how he's sort of slowly but surely been on a downward spiral from 2019 till, or maybe 2020 till now. Yeah. Um, pretty, very difficult. Have you watched the whole thing? 
I haven't. I've I've seen highlights. I've yeah. watched the whole thing. It's very difficult watch. Mm. Um, and the highlights that you've seen probably indicate as to why that is. But yeah, yeah. Look, um, I feel I feel bad because when he was at Tottenham, I called him a knob multiple times. Um, uh, and and I, just, I never that's just part of I never slated him when he, when he was going through his um downward spiral. Uh, at Everton and Besiktas, but I definitely, you know, didn't really feel sorry for him. Mm. Uh, I, you know, I, and then you see the clip of, you know, Jose Mourinho. I haven't seen the clip where Jose Mourinho calls him lazy, but I'm more, more thinking of the clip where Jose Mourinho goes, tomorrow you'll wake up and be 40. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, just so much going on in that man's life that you just didn't couldn't even fathom. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we've been asking for a long time, like... You know what, what? What happened to him? Like what happened to the player that you know was in that semi-final run with? Uh, sorry, the, the Champions League final run with with Pochettino, and yeah, I, I suppose to hear. What have you the, heard in the highlights, by the way? The the oh, thing the, the thing that happened when he was six. Yeah, yeah. Outside of the yeah. Room. Then then just that tumultuous period in his life, and then more recently, um, the the issues with sort of abusing the the sleeping the sleeping yeah. pills that, yeah. that were given to him as yeah. part of the, as from Tottenham um, um so yeah I, I I just think it's it's just very sad to hear you know like the, the context mm. when you know basically the whole footballing community fans everyone was just like like what is going on here like like he's washed like you know yeah. that sort of thing and they were painting him as like, oh, look at him with his yeah, he's made funny it. haircut and like he doesn't really care and this and that. Yeah, because the narrative was he's kind of made it and got lazy. Yeah. That was... yeah, And, and to be fair, this, it's not like a... Crazy narrative. Yeah, that. exactly. Yeah. It's just a like fair um, deduction from, from what happened. Um, and yeah, that's obviously not to say that he needs to speak out sooner to let everyone know what's going on. But it's just sad, just like the situation as it is that you're kind of getting slated and going through one of the most difficult times in your life. Um, so yeah, it's just crazy. Yeah. I think the biggest, like obviously the, what happened to him was sick at six is, is, is the real like shock value moment of the podcast. But what um, happens very shortly after that, that Gary Neville says that sort of, I didn't really, you don't really clock it until he says it is that um, he only had three years or three and a half years of stability in his life from being adopted when he was 12 till going pro when he was 16. Mm. So that, like that, and I just think that's crazy to me, like to not, not have a stable upbringing or any sort of stability in your life in your formative years, not 12. And then to have three to four years of it in still very formative years, 12 to 16, and then just thrust onto the stage of professional football yeah is just shocking yeah in this this day and age as well yeah and also I think that uh, um, yeah in this day and age and I think that um, and maybe you haven't seen from the interview is that he no longer speaks to either of his parents adopted parents no he's he's, 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 he's yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, um, because he didn't speak to his dad for ages and his mum was obviously an alcoholic and he says he doesn't like uh, I'm sure you've seen it, he says he doesn't blame anyone for his situation yeah but yeah I think he said the reason he stopped speaking to his parents is because they came back into his life after the World Cup or when he started playing for England and being like these adopted people are taking advantage of these adopted parents are taking advantage of our son we want to see the contracts he's signing this and that and it's like it was really hard for him because his adopted parents had always been like 
no, you need to go see your real parents. That's who your real family is. They never want him to lose touch from where he, of where he came from. Mm. But then his real parents just obviously weren't capable of yeah. seeing their son as anything more than a commodity, really. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was really sad, too, mm. um, on top of everything else that had happened to him. Yeah. I mean, to come out of what happened when he was before he got adopted. Yeah. To make it and, you know, to not have that support and then they come back in and kind of want want you know have have the facade of of trying to support him then yeah. would would just be yeah fuck to deal with especially because at the end of the day you would want them in in your life exactly well. so then just yeah now to have be in this position where you're now you're now dealing with whatever he's been dealing with the sleeping pills and etc uh to then not have any connection with his with his his, his closest family it's just yeah brutal hmm yeah, but yeah, I think I think it also just makes you think about how many other footballers this is probably going, or elite sports people. This is going, this is going, happening to. Yeah, like so many, especially footballers, and um, and I guess in America, basketball players and NFL players come from like disadvantaged backgrounds. Yeah, yeah. I think like I. I think it talks like it's 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 kind of like a side story within within the bigger story of Deli Alley, but like just the 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 spotlight and the pressure like that comes with being professional. Like, I I think it's easy to say well they get compensated enough. Yeah. But like people get fucking like roasted day in day out. Yeah. On social media, even if you do one bad pass in the, in the, in a game these days. Yeah. And it's like it it is pretty brutal. And, and like, it's like it's, it's it's easy to forget that they would have other things going on because they're just like, yeah. Yeah, and it's like lots of people in this world make loads of money and don't cop anywhere near the level of abuse yeah, exactly. that professional sports people do. Yeah. And there's, you know, as much as they make a lot of money, like the people above them make a lot more than them yeah. and are like, you know, like the, and probably part of the reason why there's, there's so much spotlight on them, you know, play extra games, do this so we can get the TV rights, like, yeah. It all comes into it, but yeah, they they are at the cold face of it. Yeah, and even though they're getting paid a lot, um, and then also like if you circle back to it, it's like so a big talking point. Um, and a uh, friend of the podcast, <laughs> Angela Christian Rooks, did a really good story for GQ. I'm not sure if you saw that, like shared on her Instagram stories, but she did like a story about how like women's football has come so far, but it still has such a long way to go. And it's sort of about how, you know, the, everyone in the A-League women is still not on a professional contract. They're on semi, semi-pro contracts, so they have to work two jobs. And, like, so then it comes, like, like elite, elite male professional sports people are, earn so much money and st- and deal with all this abuse where it's, like, and you've got women's football players who don't earn anywhere near as much as they do and probably still cop a, yeah. a, a hell of misogynistic abuse. Yeah. So it's just, like, yeah, it's just... It's just, it's, it's just, like, it's on one hand, it's like you're living a dream on um, men and women in the elite sports world, but on the other hand, it's like at what cost for like getting, you know, vilified, yeah, daily almost. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and like, yeah, how 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 worth it is it if you're also yeah struggling with other things? Yeah, it's it's hard as well, and you know, there's obviously been all of the issues with like racism in football over mm-hmm. like over the last long time, but yeah. you know, there's been like instances of it recently. Yeah, it's just hard to when the governing bodies kind of don't really do that much, and then in this instance, when we're talking about social media, like it's it's hard to see what they 
can like can, can do, do yeah. yeah not not in terms of the racism there's something they can do there yeah. but yeah yeah and it's also just like every like the common narrative you get with elite sports people you know just having to suck it up and take the abuses because oh you know like if i was on that much money i i i, I, yeah, I, I would, yeah. you know cry, i wouldn't cry to so i yeah i would just i don't i wouldn't worry about it like it's just like you can't really put a price on mental health yeah like and they would as well. Yeah. They it's would. like oh, well, they're like oh, doesn't matter how much. Yeah. Who, they don't care what I say. Like I, I, I bet they're gonna go home and cry in, on their silk sheets in their ten million dollar mansion. It's like it doesn't matter where you live or how much money you have to deal with something. It's like if yeah. if, if you're depressed, you're depressed. Like if you got anxiety, you got anxiety. Like there's nothing <laughs> you can do. Yeah. And I think just yeah, I I suppose another thing is like like it's it would be so hard to take time out. Like you can't. Like take a f- like taking a few weeks off, like you're playing in f- like Tottenham's first team, mm. isn't really an option. Like, yeah, and then because you know then because I mean? then, like, then people initially people will be like drugs or something. Or, or yeah, or they'll be like, oh, good on you for taking time for mental health. But then it's like, oh, well, the longer he stays away, the harder it's going to be for him to make it back into the team. It's like, well, how is that helping? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, one because it's so you know highly competitive mm. that it's very hard to step away, and two. Yeah, because because of the commentary around it. Yeah, so, yeah. But yeah, um, for those anyone that follows the men's side of the game, um, follows and and is a fan of Delhi Alley or has been a Tottenham fan or an Everton fan, um, or any of any fan of any team he's played for, um, or even just just a general football fan, it's I'd honestly really encourage you listening to that interview. Um, it's a tough listen and uh, potential trigger warnings for. Uh, childhood abuse and mental health and uh, drug and alcohol abuse um before you listen but um yeah it's 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 very good insight into what can be going wrong behind closed doors in the life of an elite sports person um that may on the surface just look like they're struggling to form yeah yeah do, do you think it's i mean you know this is i'll, I'll preface this by saying that you know this is just like a, a side thing and not really what's important right here but do, do you think there's you know, by him coming out and talking about it, there's there's a sense where it can be a bit cathartic, and he can sort yeah, of find find his. That's what he mentioned. That's Everton. what he mentions at, at the in the last sort of five to ten minutes of the interview. Yeah, is that like he's like I want. He's like I've refound that sort of passion for the game that I probably haven't had for the last two years. Like, right, and he's like, but he's like, he feels like he's back mentally at the place he was when he was at MK Dons and he tried and he was trying to prove to everyone that he could make it. Yeah, because now he's got all these doubts around him, saying that he's. He, he he's he's done at at the level. Yeah. So he's like he's and so he's like yeah. Um. I really want to get back to being at the level that I know I can be at. That um. That I know I still have in me. Like I'm only 27. I'm in the middle of my prime. Um. Obviously he's still injured, but when he comes back from injury, he says that yeah he's he's fully ready to. He hopes he hopes his story can inspire people to if they're dealing with similar things. But at the same time. It's the rehab he went to for six weeks in America has helped him heal to a point where he thinks once he's back from his injury, he can push forward. And whether it be, he hopes it's at Everton, but whether it's at Everton or somewhere else can push back to being the player he was three years ago. Yeah. 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 I, I hope so. I mean, like, by com- by coming out and speaking, like, about it in, in, in a very public forum, like, it seems like, you know, you, you would be at a point where you're like healing so yeah although the only thing that i felt a bit sad about him was he, he says he the timing of this interview is is a little bit earlier than he wanted it to be 
Uh, but, but the tabloids caught wind of him going to rehab and we're going to release st- and we're about to release or have already released stories about him being in rehab. So he's like, I'm going to get ahead of the ahead of the curve here and right. release the interview, which sucks for him. He couldn't do it on his own terms, but that is the media in this day and age. Yeah. And yeah. I guess we are part of that, but we're the, mm. we're the good people. <laughs> and I saw he did, he has joined Everton's preseason yeah. thing. Yeah. So he's, he's probably just back doing like simple, simple ball work and running as far as I've seen. Um, but, He's, in the interview, which probably was recorded a few weeks ago now, yeah, he's pro- he said he was a few he said he was a few weeks away from playing. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so I mean, like serious stuff aside, if he can get and just purely football, if he can get back to even three quarters of the player that he was in 2018, Everton have got a really good player in their hands. And yeah, and I think the role that would be expected of Delhi at Everton right now would be one that you know would be conducive to like where he's at and mm. coming back into the side and, you know, coming off the bench, you know? Mm. Yeah. I th- and also he spoke high praise of um, Sean Dyche's uh, ability to listen and um, just be there to, like, he's just, he said, yeah, he's been really understanding and stuff, which I, I feel like yeah. I kind of already knew <laughs> yeah. that vibe from Sean Dyche, but it's good to hear anyway. Yeah. yeah. But yes, uh, that's the Daliel interview and that's our thoughts on it. Um like I said, I'll re- repeat what I said. Uh, give it a give it a listen and a watch if you haven't. Um, but anyway, we're going to move on to the final piece of this episode, uh, which is a fun fun little change of pace. Obviously, last week we talked about um, transfers in the men's game because uh, we hadn't talked about it for three weeks or so. This week we're going to be talking about transfers again, but in a more sort of fun way. Um, we're going to mention some that. Uh, have happened in the last few weeks, but we're also going to mention some that have just happened since this summer window started. We're going to basically, we've um, since I told Wilbur about this, what now about an hour and a bit ago. Hour, yeah. um, we're going to each pick uh, the best eleven of players that have joined new clubs so far in this summer slash winter. If you're in Australia, transfer window. Um, so yes, it should be fun. I'm looking forward. This this, this was a good one. Yeah, this, and yeah, it was nice to review. All of the transfers that have happened um, mm. while we um, did did our bulk preview for the Women's World Cup. Yeah. Um, should, I, should I start us off? Uh, I have a feeling we'll have the same goalkeeper, but yeah. I've got Mendy. Oh, I've yeah. got Andre Onana because he's been confirmed by Man United. Oh, no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah look. <laughs> That's I mean, still a good yeah, shout this, this, this is the joy of it because we've done it so quickly, we, we might have some differences Difference, there. Yeah. I think, yeah. I mean, Mendy, like... Less than a season ago, I reckon he was like one of the best keepers Champions in the world. Champions League winning keeper too. So, very strange, the the fall that he's had. I reckon it was like, yeah, just his, his 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 inability with his feet all of a sudden got showcased, and then that caused a confidence drop, which caused his whole form to drop, which yeah. is weird. But it was bizarre. I mean, he was so good. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's why I've got him. To be honest, as well, I haven't se- I have not seen much of Anana. All I, I, know I saw is, a little clip of Pep Guardiola talking about his distribution in the Champions League final. He's really good with his feet. Yeah. And there's also, there's also a clip of him like playing striker for some like local team um, uh, in Africa. I'm not sure if it's in Africa or somewhere. And he like looks electric. Like He literally sprints in behind and hits a belt into the top corner. I'm yeah. like, okay, damn. But uh, I think, yeah, like he's he's a good shot stopper. Obviously not. I don't think he's like, you know, top five, top five, top five. I think, I think he's as good as David Hale shot stopping. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, he's miles better with his feet and also has the link of playing under Ten Hag before, playing with Lissandro Martinez before. Oh, true. At Ajax. Yeah, so, he was at Ajax before, yeah. True, true. Um, So yeah, good signing. But yes, uh, Mendy, Onana, 
Both good keepers. Just quickly, who would you prefer, Ramsdale or Onana? Because <laughs> you were linked with him. If you had to ask me this before, like before we got Ramsdale, probably Onana. But now that Ramsdale's had two seasons in the Premier League and has looked fine, I'd say I'd stick with Ramsdale. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Uh, Left back. Yeah. Um, Ashley Young. <laughs> ah, interesting. Yeah, nice. I've gone uh, Lucas Hernandez, who signed from PSG from Bayern. Uh, that is probably better. <laughs> um, yeah, I was just struggling for fullbacks. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, uh, he was the one player, particularly I'm, left backs. Yeah, he was. I, I had a guy. I have a guy already who I'm gonna put it right back. But the left back, when I told you off air, I was looking for one player to finalize my team, and I looked him up and found him. That yeah. was the player. So Lucas. Yeah, I think I didn't understand his position to be honest with you. But um, I think Ashley Young is a good signing. Not too many left backs have been thrown around this. Um, this transfer window and yeah very few of them have the the, the accolades and, and the trophies that this guy has yeah, so no, yeah, solid uh, my centre back partnership is Milan Skriniar and Kim Min Jae yeah. Skriniar signed for PSG Kim Min Jae signed for Bayern I've got Kim Min Jae and Kalidou Koulibaly yeah good yeah nice. um, did you forget about Skriniar or nah <laughs> <laughs> Just prefer I didn't think yeah, about him. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I wouldn't say I forgot about him. Um, but yeah, obviously Kim and Jay had a great the number one and, candidate. Yeah. And Koulibaly is just a very similar, very similar, you know, case to Mendy. Like yeah. he was so highly touted. Just and he was decent. The victim at of a poor Chelsea season all yeah. around, I think. Yeah. And then he got offered a big contract in Saudi. Like I don't think him going to a Saudi is is a blight on his. No. Nah. Career, like no. I think, I think we spoke about it previously. Yeah, anyway. but um, yeah, for me, Milan Skriniar, I think people have kind of forgotten about it because the deal was like agreed, um, back in the winter or like January, yeah, yeah, but it yeah. didn't happen until now. But yeah, he's a phenomenal centre back. Um, mm-hmm. for Inter, it used to be Inter, but now it's PSG. Yeah. So yeah, uh, that's who I got. All right, so you got a right back. Got Aspi. Ah, nice, nice. <laughs> I've got uh, Arsenal signing Durian Timber because he can play there. Uh, okay, yeah. right, right. Yeah, I, 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 I had Timber in the running for my for my centre backs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Aspi again, very, very decorated. I also consider, very decorated. I considered player. going a back three of Skriniar, Kimminje, and Timber before I remembered Luca Hernandez. And then yeah, I was okay. Like, yeah, no, I'm going to do that. True. That's why you weren't sticking to a formation before. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was constant. The cogs were constantly working yeah. in my head. Obviously, yeah, we've got no pre-assigned formations here as well. Uh, it's just whoever, whatever formation fits the best of the players we want. Um, how many do you have in midfield? I have three in midfield. Me too. Well, I'll start with my holding. You having a three in midfield is like a four-three-three or like a four-two-three-one type of deal. Um, like because like the, that's still a three in midfield. It's just a two CMs in a can. Yeah, it's it's a four two. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's more of a like that. <laughs> yeah, it's like a four three three attack in FIFA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, exactly. it's like it's. Oh, is it two CDMs in a, a centre mid, or is it two centre mids in a centre attacking mid? CDM. Okay. CDM. So and, two, and and two. Oh, more, a CDM and two. And two okay, yeah, yeah, nice. Two nice, more attacking. Nice. Do wait. Do you have the same? No. What have you got? Uh, I've got uh, two centre mids. And attacking with uh, okay, true. Well, I've got I've got Bellingham, yeah, yeah, uh, Gundogan and Madison. Interesting. I've got Declan Rice, Bellingham, and Shabazzai. Declan Rice, Bellingham, Shabazzai. Declan Rice and Bellingham are the sitting 
So. Gunduan, not in there. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Wait, wait, say it again. Shobbers Live, Bellingham, and, and Declan Rice. And Declan Rice. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. feel like I can't, you can't be like too angry with that. <laughs> <laughs> I just think, I think Gunduan not being in there is. Maybe. I think that's harsh. I yeah. think that's harsh. What do you think of mine? Madison? I think it's good. I think yeah. I was tossing up between Sobberslay and Madison. Yeah. Uh, but I just thought Sobberslay was a slightly more exciting pick. I think I think I know more about Madison. I think, yeah, obviously Gundogan's been amazing. Um, and yeah, Bellingham has to be in there. Yeah. I don't know. Sorry, I didn't mean to attack. No, 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 no. It's fair. It's more sort of like it's like Declan Rice or Gundogan. It's like, I don't know. Probably, probably maybe Gundogan, but also maybe Declan Rice, you know? Yeah. I'm probably a little bit you biased. You just signed him. I'm just a bit high on Declan. I'm, I'm obviously high on the Declan. I look, honestly, I've just been looking at photos of Declan Rice in an Arsenal kit for the past day and a half, and like I can't actually believe we've got him. Yeah. So that's probably why I, I forgot about Declan. I think it's nice as well. I mean, we probably touched on it last um, week, but yeah, it's just nice finally Arsenal being in a position where they yeah. get their man. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I I feel like but like yeah, Gundogan may be a little bit harsh not to to be left out of my team, not because I like. I, I, to be honest, I kind of forgot about him. Um, but yeah, I feel like both mid... Like if you put one midfield against the other, there's not really much... Yeah. Split, it's kind of splitting hairs. Mm. Yeah. yeah. All right, attack. Um, I have... So wait, you've got a CDM and two attacking. So. Yeah, well, I have I have Bellingham sitting deeper and those two further forward. Oh, interesting. But Bellingham is more of a... I've got, yeah, I've got Rice and Bellingham as box-to-boxes. Yeah, and Shoppers like I mean, I could do that as well and put Madison and then Gundogan and Bellingham as the yeah, yeah. I might do that in my lineup. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, when we post it, uh, Messi. Yep, I've got Messi. Same. I've got Karen Benzema. Yep, same. And I've got Christopher and Kunku. Same. <laughs> I feel like there's not really any other options you can go for that front three. Yeah. Who, who did you have other people on the sh- on the short list or? Uh, I flirted with the idea very briefly of, of Kai Havertz being in there somewhere, mm. Mason Mount being on off the right, but I mean no one's going to displace Lionel Messi off the right. So yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I was like, is Kunku a winger? And I was like, I don't really give a shit. Yes, he is. Yeah. <laughs> I, I and co- also, I just don't think there's a striker like, like there's no striker in that's been transferred this off season that comes close to Ballon d'Or holder Karen Benzema. Yeah. So. Again, you know he's he, he's kind of on the past the precipice, but he's still very much yeah. He, yeah but he's like the current Ballon d'Or yeah. holder, so it's like what? <laughs> but no, but that's what I mean. Like yeah. you know, he's he's not on the downhill yet. No, no, yeah. no, no but you know, stretch. he he is on the other side of thirty-five. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, who else did I have? I I not a very good shortlist. Kulisevsky, Pulisic. No, no. no. Yeah. I had McAllister, maybe Mason Mount, maybe for mid for attacking midfield spots. Um, yeah. I had. Uh, who else did I have? Oh yeah, like actually, no. I to be fair, I'm not even gonna lie. I completely forgot about Gundogan. Uh, I thought, yeah, I thought about Madison as well, uh, like I said, but yeah, that's mm. who I stuck with in the end. I I had Raya as the as as another potential goalkeeper. As oh well. yeah, it's good, good yeah. chat, good yeah. chat. Who did he sign for in the end? Oh Tottenham, Tottenham yeah. yeah. I hated it. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. That's our that was fun. That team was of the transfer window so far. 
Um, so yeah, I might, I might post them with our world, full World Cup predictions uh, when this goes up tomorrow sometime because I'll have some free time. And then we'll be 24 hours to the World Cup. Yep. Tomorrow Very night, 24 exciting. hours. Yeah, huge. Um, can't wait. Mm. What's the first guess? New Zealand versus Norway, I think. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'll be at work so I won't see it, but I'll be watching. Yeah, I'll be watching. I'll be watching. Yeah. And so will the world. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, on that um, nice, short, sharp episode. Finito for you guys. Uh, as always, if you've liked what you've heard, follow us on uh, Spotify. Give us a five-star rating. I saw we had three of those the other day. So um, Nice. Yeah. Someone's got to the end. Yeah, I gave us a fourth. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I hadn't given us a fourth. I've given one before. Um, and yeah, follow us on Instagram, 40yardswitch.pod. That's when we post an uh, episode. We'll post an Instagram story. Uh, and follow me and Wilbur while you're out there. Jasper.Woodson and Wilbur KL. Um, I could use some followers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's all from us. We'll see you next time. <laughs>